0: Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically-challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf.
1: Ah, Bonjour, Salut, Bienvenuto, and welcome to this quiet corner of the Salt Lake Valley. It is here we find the habitat of the musical theater nerd and their musically challenged spouse. Let us now observe as they prepare for another musical field day. Good morning, Warren! Get out of bed. Let's make some coffee and make food for latte. This is the day when we get to see a really good licensed play. What can I say? This musical has been stuck in my head for a week. Let's start the day. It's the best day to be a marine theater geek. And who's the lucky guy in my life who is living the dream? Who gets to see a show with a cartoonish theme? Warren, it's you. Aren't you glad to be here in the state renowned? SLC Utah, Mountain Valley Town. SLC Utah, where the smog hangs down on this cold and smoggy Salt Lake City day.
2: Okay,
0: okay, I'll bite. This is from the Spongebob musical, huh? Yeah, it's
1: a parody of the opening number.
0: And you're doing it in a cappella? Of
1: course not. This orchestra here is backing me. Are you hearing
0: this orchestra right now? (laughs) Just try it, babe. Sing a verse. Uh, so all I do is copy what you did and then I try to sing it. Oh, Jesus Christ! Now I hear the music and I've got to wing it. So do I just sing whatever first comes into my mind? Or maybe sing about how I am in a bind? Ah! Oh God, this stuff won't stop. K, please make it stop. Because this music's loud. SLC Utah. Now what rhymes with loud? SLC Utah. Nothing rhymes with loud. It's a terrifying Salt Lake City day.
2: Mom,
1: Dad, now the music is in my head, and I don't like it. I just want some cookies and a cat to smell, but this is what I get. Rather go to the vet, but instead I get to hear you long yell. This song won't go away. Typical Salt Lake City day. Crap! What time is it? Uh, noon? Shit. We need to get going. We're running late. Let us now follow the musical theater nerd and the musically challenged spouse as they brave the cold, smoggy weather to head north to the home of the musical theater nerd's mother. to Tone down a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd.
0: And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged.
1: And today, we have a special guest with us. We have Mama Kay! Yay! Yay! So, we have Mama Kay and uh, possibly a guest appearance from Sophie. We'll see if she decides to say
0: anything. She has been surprisingly quiet. Yes. Well, we'll see how that goes. We uh, shall see. Then, of course, we have our sleepy third co-host, Latte, who's seems to be winding down for a nap.
1: Yep. She can sleep through anything. So, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. So, I've got a question for you guys. What happens when you get David Bowie, Jonathan Colton, who did Still Alive from Portal, The Flaming Lips, T.I., Steven Tyler, and Joe Perry, Panic at the Disco, Brian Eno, Plain White Tees, Lady Antebellum, They Might Be Giants, Cindy Lauper, Yolanda Adams, Alex Ebert, Sarah Bareilles, and John Legend, all to work on a musical together.
0: Way too many people.
1: <laughs> you actually get the critically acclaimed Spongebob musical.
0: But I also musicals, musically challenge, so shows what I know.
1: <laughs> so this show was written by Kyle Giroux, who also wrote the book for the musical that I need to get my hands on because I've only ever listened to the soundtrack. A Very Merry Unauthorized Children's Scientology Pageant.
3: And it's a lovely soundtrack. It's so
1: lovely. Listeners, you know what to do.
0: Our secret agent in the audience needs to go forth and locate this musical and send it to us.
1: Yes. But, of course, that's not the musical for today.
0: Nope. So...
1: This week, we are covering the Spongebob Squarepants musical, which, as you know... I am still in disbelief exists. (laughs) Well, as you may know, this show is based off of the kids' show, Spongebob Squarepants. This show has run on Nickelodeon since 1999.
0: Oh my god. (laughs) I cannot believe it's been that long. Like, just 20 years, almost? Yeah, no, 20 years. 20, yeah. Yeah. Almost, it'll be twenty-one years
1: next year. Oh my God! Yeah. So
3: that does make it twenty years. Yeah, year. it's twenty
0: years this year, but it's it's almost as old as my sister.
3: Yeah.
1: Holy smokes! SpongeBob will be able to get a drink next year. Actually, SpongeBob could drink right now because he's our age. But well, he's all he's very
0: absorbent. He can really hold his liquor too.
1: <laughs> so. Spongebob was created by marine science educator Stephen Hillenberg, May he rest in peace. And it's one of Nickelodeon's most popular shows. So, a little bit of a side tangent. Spongebob was originally conceived in the late 80s as a character on uh, Steve Hillenberger Stephen Hill... Yeah, Steve Hillenberg's. I haven't even gotten into the beer yet. In <laughs> as uh, Steve Hillenberg's book, The Intertidal Zone. He was Bob the Sponge for that. Then when he was picked up for Nickelodeon, he became Sponge Boy, and then SpongeBob. Nickelodeon had wanted him to be a child instead of an adult, so they wanted more of a hey Arnold under the sea, and St- Steven Hillenburg sent, said, fuck no. <laughs> and he, he was going to take his ball and go home. Basically, and they they're like, okay, no, we'll let you. Yes.
3: He's Minorchid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that joke went over my head. <laughs> Minorchid? <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You'll have to edit out part of your laughter.
0: She'll she'll tone it down. Yeah. She'll she'll bring it down. <sighs> God, did do your notes cover that? Did he have one ball? <laughs> Jesus, In a tragic marine biologist accident.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could say that he was balls deep in his work. Oh God, why? Oh or sorry, ball deep. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Kay. Please continue.
3: Stinging <laughs> nettle, probably. <laughs> Ooh, okay.
1: Where was I on this? Uh, take his ball and go home.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, take his ball and go home. So that's where Mrs. Puff came in. Because... because <laughs> listeners, you couldn't see what I did, but I did a silencing gesture to keep another tangent. <laughs> so they they brought in Mrs. Puff because Stephen Hillenburg said, fine spongebob doesn't have his driver's license he goes to driver's ed there we go so that gave them their
0: whole we want something to be relatable for kids um, he's gonna go to school and to the uh the talking executive heads credit which i will not say that phrase very often uh-huh. uh some of the school situations and episodes are some of the funniest yes damn situations yes because, they
1: are yeah anyway <laughs> so uh this show has run for twelve seasons, being renewed for a thirteenth in July of 2019. This show has spawned <laughs> three movies, an actual species of fungus, Spongiophormia oh, This
0: this musical, and two in-development spin-offs. That's like when people discover stars or like constellations and they name them after science fiction characters. I'm not gonna throw shade because Gary Larson has a specific
1: type of louse that's on an owl that's named after him, so I'm not gonna be... I'm not gonna throw shade there. <sighs>
2: okay.
1: uh, but but the two spinoffs are Camp Coral and Squidward and are something that the late Steve Hillenburg probably wouldn't have wanted since he didn't want spinoffs.
0: But, you know. I'm... I'm why do a spinoff of... Squidward, like he's he's only funny because he's getting annoyed by other characters. Like he's not entertaining yeah, in and of himself. I don't.
1: I don't know why. I mean, what the hell? So to let our audience <laughs> oh, know, we have the We have SpongeBob on getting ready for this musical. Like we were watching this live, and something horrible has happened to this show in the past decade. So. Yep. Um, so I'm going to try really hard to make this episode about the musical and not the TV show, because this is a musical theater podcast and not
0: a podcast about animation. I will try to not do pull a death note and talk about the differences between the two. <laughs> so, well, we can do that later.
1: So the Flaming Lips were the first group revealed to be writing for this show as early as January 16th, 2014. This was according to their lead singer's Twitter, and they had already written a song for the SpongeBob movie for the end credits. It was called SpongeBob and Patrick Confront the Psychic Wall of Energy. One of the Cool Those Flaming Lips Under the Sea, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so their their contribution to the musical is the first act finale, which is called Tomorrow is. This musical was first announced at Nickelodeon's is what? You'll see. <laughs> So Tomorrow is what, Kay? I'll, I'll tell you later. You'll see in the musical. Okay. The musical was first announced at Nickelodeon's Upfront on February 25th, 2015, with a performance of the opening number Bikini Bottom Day. However, this was not a definite this-show-is-opening announcement, but we also know that Spongebob is Nickelodeon's cash cow, so they, of course, want to milk that sponge for all he's worth. You gotta squeeze him dry. Gotta squeeze him dry. In August...
0: Mm, tall glass of sponge juice. <laughs> Ew. Between, between your mom's laugh and the look on your face, I'm very proud of that joke. But
3: because of his next door neighbor, does it kind of taste like clemato? Ew. <laughs> oh. Oh, gross.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Derailment over. Ooh. For now. So, uh,
1: we all know that Spongebob is... It... I already just said that. So in August, the Chicago performances were announced as the production crew was, uh, as was the production crew. Um, They also announced the opening on Broadway at this time. The cast list was released April, 2016 and rehearsals for Chicago began April 11th, 2016. The Broadway representatives that arrived to watch rehearsals reportedly were impressed by the show. Spoilers for costumes, plot, etc. were kept well under wraps because this is Nickelodeon and not Cartoon Network. Hashtag Steven Universe Spoiler
0: Shade. You know, I think part of the reason being is that Nickelodeon is like the mob, and as soon as one person leaks anything, they just kill them and their whole family, and that <laughs> sends a message to everybody else. They're like, oh, don't fuck with Nickelodeon. Oh, this is a new creepypasta now.
2: <laughs>
1: So according to Variety, the show's budget was between 15 and $20 million. It ended up coming in under the twenty bil- $20 million mark. $20 billion. Oh, God. No, that, that would be Spider-Man.
0: That's going to be the next <laughs> Spider-Man musical. It's going to bankrupt entire nation. <laughs> the USA went bankrupt today because of the second
1: Spider-Man musical.
3: Instead of because they bought Iceland?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) So, oh, God. uh, My faith in humanity is gone. So I swear to God, Playbill reads my mind, because from here I would normally have gone into the opening dates, the awards, blah, 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 because most of the things that I would have been able to pull up from the SpongeBob wiki and other sources, other soises. sources. Other sources.
3: Yeah, I have not gotten into the
1: beer yet. <laughs> like, hey, tell Lord. us more about those sources. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm going to regret reading off some of the character names in a minute. So, uh, these sources would have been spoilerific, and I don't want you to know the plot yet. But, Playbill last night helpfully posted an article about the writer for the book of the musical, about Kyle Jarreau. Basically, the article begins with kind of what you were thinking when I read off the musicians attached to it. How do? (laughs) Because really, that is a large variety of music styles and lyric writing styles that wouldn't seem to make a cohesive show.
0: Yeah, it seemed like there'd be way too much uh, arguing about creative difference.
1: Yeah, it would have been taking Weber's I Can't Pick a Theme
0: to the quoting, next level. Yeah, yeah, to the
1: next level. we have gone Super Saiyan. However, uh, Giroux is quoted as in the article as saying that it was a fairly traditional working process. Well, that's cool. Yeah, in fact, he said that the only issue was coming up with a two-hour plot for an 11-minute show. <laughs> <laughs> and the article goes on to quote him, or to first say that to tackle it, he determined the three pillars of the Spongebob universe. Optimism, Surreality and humor, and submitted five potential plots to director Tina Landau, including one last ditch idea they thought he thought that they would never go for. And we me guess that's the which one they one. went for. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh my god.
1: And I'm not going to tell you the plot because, again, it's the one that they went, uh, went with, but the does, plot has very high stakes. Does it involve a volcano? You have seen that little bit because you've got Best Day Ever stuck in your head, but you don't know the context, so that's awesome. So the main characters of the show end up showing the different ways one would approach what the main conflict of the story is. Uh, after all, even though the show may be called Spongebob Squarepants, he actually shares main character billing with Patrick, Sandy, Mr. Krabs, Pearl, Squidward, Plankton... Uh, Karen, Mrs. Puff, and, of course, Gary. So, so there are actually ten main characters to SpongeBob. Karen is Plankton's
0: wife, right? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember. It's been, it's been, a, little, it's been a hot moment. Yeah, since Karen,
1: I actually... Karen is Plankton's computer wife. Because Plankton's that kind of guy. So the artists were told which songs they would have to write in order to make the emotions sound correct. The Plain White Tees wrote Spongebob and Patrick's BFF song. David Bowie wrote the, a modified version of his 1995 song, No Control. This takes place uh, when the inciting in- incident for the plot is revealed, and is the only song that was written before the musical or Spongebob existed. Um, it was on his album Outside. One of my favorite contributions is, of course, from They Might Be Giants. And Jarro talks about it on the Playbill interview, saying, one of the first songs that we got in was They Might Be Giants' song, I'm Not a Loser, which is now Squidward's 11 o'clock number. The 11 o'clock number is the second-to-last song of the show, or rather the showstopper, that comes back when they used to have um, specific start times like I want to say the start time for Broadway plays used to be 8. So at 11 o'clock, the last number would be, or the second to last number would be the showstopper before everything wraps up at the end. So that's an
3: 11 o'clock number. Okay, I
0: mean. And it's funny because my brain was thinking initially like a clock, like, okay, well, like it made sense. 11 before 12 would be mm-hmm. the finale, like finishing up everything. So. Yeah. It's funny how I kind of came to the right conclusion, but with the wrong information. <laughs> he,
1: so they came, he says, uh, they came back with this amazing song about how he's not a loser and really exposing his insecurity. But the word loser is probably said 30 times in the song. <laughs> and they had this idea of this kick line of sea anemones that he imagines. Once we got that and a couple of things, or once we got that in, a couple of things were clear. One, the idea of Squidward being called a loser and being dismissed on a personal level needed to be woven into the piece to set up the song. The idea that the word "loser" is a trigger word for this guy became part of the show's early
0: scenes. How does and, he feel about being called a douchebag? <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call him a loser because he can play the clarinet. That requires skill. He's, mm-hmm. but he's a douchebag.
1: Yeah, he's an octopus forced to interact with other creatures on a regular basis. I- I just want to kick him in the ink sack. Just... <laughs> Ugh, I learned some fa- th- this deep dive that I took was sure horrible. The up his blowhole. So, um, uh, n- let's see. And knowing that there was going to be this big kick line informed the position of the song in this show. In the same vein, the songs BFF and No Control were also switched, with BFF having a lot more meaning after No Control reveals the stakes of the plot. Additionally, the placement of Best Day Ever really changes that song's meaning, and you'll see it when we get to it. Jonathan Colton, who wrote Bikini Bottom Day, was also the main revisionist for the lyrics, approving them with the original artists as he went. Spongebob opened for previews on Broadway on November 6 2017 with the official opening being December 4th 2017 it closed September 16 2018 not recouping the 18 million dollar cost but it oh. had a l- high critical and audience reception uh, I want to say that the time the year that it was on Broadway it was at the same time as frozen ah uh. so yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Chicago production was highly praised, with WGN's Dean Richards saying, The story is multilayered for kids and adults. It adds up to one of the most fun, well-produced, and best-acted shows Chicago has seen in a long time. Chicago Tribune's Chris Jones said, Hopeless optimism is a good strategy as any in our angry, hate-filled world. So by the time the SpongeBob musical turns the Krusty Krab into a hell's kitchen canteen, <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants designed the flip or designated flipper of the Patty cra- of the Krabby Patty. Good God, might just be the yellow tonic that Broadway and its fans across America sorely need. Say, and then he said of the music that it was the biggest gamble. A, store, a score made up of singles by different songwriters and unified by orchestrator Tom Kitt works quite beautifully in the anarchic playpen that Landau has created with her designers David Zinn and Kevin Adams. Uh, Jonathan Colton has penned Bikini Bottom Day, the Good Morning Baltimore setup song, a melodic charmer. The Plain White Tees nail the buddy song BFF, and Sarah Borellis, really adept now at this form, cont- contributes a droll ditty for Patchy the Pirate. Uh, which is their at two opener. And there was also a lot of praise for the Broadway version, with Ben Brantley saying of Ethan, S- Ethan Slater, who plays SpongeBob, for what it's worth, and we're talking millions of dollars here, you're never going to see a convince- as convincing an impersonation of a two-dimensional cartoon by a three-dimensional human as that provided by Ethan Slater at the Palace Theater. Slater plays the role, the title role in the SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical, the ginormous giggle of a show that opened on Monday night. This might sound like dubious praise, but think about it. How many of those legions of figures who gamble through the stage adaptations of animated movies, teapots, lions, fake Russian princesses ad infinitum, <laughs> seem to have tra- been transliterated from the screen without any dilution of their inked-in essence? Um, and he goes on to talk about uh the set pieces which are just wild as heck uh and also talks about how the costumes look like they could have been assembled from Salvation Army bins yeah yeah as as you notice they when we were watching one of the commercials they do not look like Spongebob on ice
0: yeah that's kind of what what initially shocked me because uh I saw that Spongebob just looked like a guy in a Mm -hmm. yellow shirt with Overalls and stuff, and didn't look like a sponge. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's the
2: yeah direction the they're direction.
0: going." The craziest thing that they have is Squidward,
1: but I really like the puppeteering that they do for him with his legs, because they do give him four bottom legs. I don't think I noticed that. You so will be see cool that. See. So Brantley also suggests, with who would like this musical? You would probably adore this musical if a SpongeBob was formative influence of your childhood. B, you're a stoner who tokes up to watch reruns of the show on YouTube. Categories A and B are not mutually exclusive. Or C, if you were like my date for this show, a parent of a Spongebob binging progeny and found its sensibility crept into and wallpapered your weary mind. If you are none of the above, you'll find your patience sorely tested. But if you were obliged to accompany one of the sponge-happy types listed above, might I suggest you do what I did. That would be to immerse yourself in random, preferably early episodes of the series, and then marvel at how the creative team here replicates their seemingly inimitable tone and substance. Or you could indulge in some illegal inhalation, though I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very bright and colorful show, so you probably could watch it high if
0: you're in one of the states that allows that there you go and you're like going on the list i'm like where do i fit into this i was older brother watching a younger sister who watched the show Mm -hmm. so i watched the show i had a parrot who really liked spongebob
1: and you had a daughter who had a parrot who really liked spongebob so on to the awards let's just say there's a lot of awards holy shit (laughs) Wow! Yeah, that so is a lot it, of awards. it did win Best Outstanding uh, Broadway music, New Broadway Musical, with the uh, Outer Outer Critics. Um,
3: what it, I want to know is, did it win the same award that Flower Drum Song did?
1: Best Composer <laughs> for for the Tonys? No, it actually won Scenic Design. Okay. In the Tonys, it it was nominated for the most. Tonys for that year alongside Mean Girls. Both of them got 12 Tony nominations, but uh, they lost to The Band's Visit, which is based on the Israeli film of the same name. Uh, Lost Best Musical for that. But it was nominated alongside Mean Girls and Frozen, and this was the same year that Once on this Island won Best Revival, beating out Carousel and My Fair Lady.
3: As it should.
1: As it should. Spongebob's North American tour began September 22, 2019, and it'll run till, through 2020. The cast we'll be watching is, mostly consists of the original cast. Ethan Slater as Spongebob, Danny Skinner as Patrick, Gavin Lee as Squidward, Abby Smith as Mrs. Puff, Kevin Lowe as Perch Perkins, <laughs> Alan K. Washington as Larry the Lobster, Curtis Holbrook as Fred the Fish, And Anika Phillips, John Rua, Laurelyn McClellan, Robert Taylor Jr. as the Sardine Corps, who you will see later. The Sardine Corps. Yes. Sounds like a military group. Oh, boy. (laughs) So joining the cast are Christine and Seju as Sandy. She replaced Lily Cooper on Broadway on July 24th, 2018. Wesley Taylor as Plankton. Katie Lee Hill as Karen. Brian Ray Norris as Mr. Krabs. Jaylen, Christine... Lee Josie as Pearl. Uh, Alan K. Washington also plays Gary this time as well, instead of the pre recording of Tom Kenny's performance. Tom Kenny comes in as Patchy the Pirate, Breonna Parham as the narrator, JC Schuster as Old Man Jenkins, Curtis Holbrook, Logan Jones, and Kyle Matthew Hamilton as the electric skates. Yes, spelled like skate the fish because puns. And Tom Kenny takes his role as the French narrator at the opening. Bonjour. So, that being said, do we have any questions before we get into this nautical nonsense?
0: Uh, that's not something I wish. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no questions, they would be amiss, because this is a pile of chum that will be sorted through later, (laughs) after we have seen the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, pour one out for SpongeBob.
1: As as we all pull out a beer. Any questions from you,
3: Mama K? Or... No, but I'm sure I'll have comments after. Oh,
0: I've, yes. I'm in here. that that same bucket. I am
3: certain <laughs> a chum bucket.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Speaking of, what the hell have they done to SpongeBob? I have been Good so
0: Lord. I've been so distracted while you've been talking about this because this show is not what I remember. No, it is not. <laughs> Luckily,
1: it, is, it has changed so much. It unfortunately has. Luckily, the musical will be more like what we remember. Yay. With that, let us begin our deep dive into the world of SpongeBob SquarePants.
0: We will be back after these quick messages.
1: I'm ready. 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 Hey folks! We wanted
0: to take a quick moment to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to our Stage Crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, and our Producer Circle sponsors, Bianucci and Reagan. Thank you so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Now let's hear from our friend,
1: Kate. Over at Ignorance Was Bliss.
3: Everybody has a story. And not all of those stories are clear black and white issues, even when we think they are. We wonder how did this happen, or what is that like, or what happens next? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss at IWB Podcast.
1: And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show, Hey Warren, so what did you think? Is it the best show,
2: ever? best show
0: ever? I am annoyed with myself. Yeah. Over how much I actually liked it. Right? Because this is we joke about the with the uh, co- the capitalism gone wild episodes for our patrons, patrons that. Uh, some of those shows have no right being as good as they are. Yeah. This is one of those shows that has no right being as good as it is. Like it, it, I agree. It, I wish it didn't bother me, but it bothers me. And <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's because like, there's a part of my brain that's like, Spongebob being made into a musical? That doesn't mesh well in my brain. I want it to fail.
1: Now you know how I have felt since I first listened to the soundtrack. <laughs> and oh my god, that
0: soundtrack is full of so many earworms. Especially that... Beginning one. It's going
2: (laughs) to be
1: the
0: best day. Oh, Bikini Bottom Day. that one. Sorry. You're fine.
3: Musically Uh, challenged.
0: Musically challenged. What did you think, Mama K?
3: I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah. It's just surprisingly good.
3: I like the diversity of
2: the cast. Yes, Yes, that's definitely... And
3: I like the fact that there were... It didn't matter what your body image was, it Mm -hmm. didn't matter your height, it didn't matter your weight, it didn't matter skin color. Mm -hmm. That was such a diverse cast.
0: Yes. It really was. So good. One of the things I thought was interesting, too, is when they did some of the larger ensemble numbers where they had, like, backup dancers and stuff that were wearing the same costume, even if the costumes were feminine, they had men wearing yes. the feminine yes. ones, and if stuff was mad, like, it was just...
3: Well, the guy who opened the show.
0: Yeah, the guy yeah. who opened the show was in a tutu. Yeah. Yes. Prancing around, just a big muscular frame, and he's pointing with this <laughs> oh, arrow sign while so in a tutu. Good. It was just. It was very... Surreal is definitely the best way to put it, especially mm-hmm. the costumes because some of the characters looked a little acid trippy. Yeah, like uh, Patrick, I thought Patrick just he looked like a he looked like a fat pink Elvis in a lot of ways. <laughs> like he he did, and uh, but yeah, the costumes. I think the costumes were smart, but it was one of the things that held the show back a little bit for me mm-hmm. because, like, I would have loved to see a big bushy tail on. Uh, Sandy, but then you couldn't have seen her butt. I mean, you you could like put the tail as a (laughs) squirrel tail, so it goes up like her back and then curls down, and she Mm -hmm. could have had that big bushy tail. True, you know she
3: couldn't have done some of the choreography. Yeah, that's that's true. That's probably the
0: reality of it. Mm -hmm. Like we can't have people in the bigger costumes because then they wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been able to do the dance numbers. Yeah, and they did a lot of dance numbers, like uh, SpongeBob doing the splits and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, she is amazing. Yeah, I kept I couldn't help but uh, notice SpongeBob be like. How he is fit! Like, look at that veiny fucker. Yeah, <laughs> look at those biceps on SpongeBob. Yeah. Like, holy crap! SpongeBob
1: is swole. Yeah,
0: he's he's a good shape. They all muscle mean...
3: Bob buff pants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I
1: mean,
0: muscle Bob I... swole legs.
3: Yeah, I mean, just some of the choreography that he did. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just amazing.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So, should we dive into my my terrible recap? <laughs> The narrator welcomes everyone to the bottom of the sea with exciting sights like kelp and seaweed and a pineapple under the sea. This pineapple is home to the world's most unique sea creature, a singing dancing sea sponge named Bob. The sea sponge is super absorbent and positive. Uh, so, the sea sponge is super absorbent of positivity and good vibes. Bob introduces his neighbor, Patrick Starr, who lives under a rock and also keeps them in his brain. Between sea <laughs> Between Seedle D and Seedle Dumb lives lives an octopus named Squidward, who is a black hole of negativity. Spobert is off to see his friend Sandy. SpongeBob, which is short for Robert. Bobbert. so Spobbert. There you go. Spobert is off to see his friend Sandy, a Texas-sized squirrel who lives in the ocean and is making a jetpack because underwater <laughs> anyways in the middle of her introduction song the ground rumbles and shakes with foreboding plot development sandy decides it's time to fire up the old seismograph to do some squirrel science
1: i hate i hate myself right now because i'm sitting here going well there's a very good reason for sandy to be doing a jetpack because in episode blah 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 of <laughs> season blah 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 we find out that she's been te- yeah <laughs> no, but see, it Deep. doesn't
0: It doesn't (laughs) matter what episode in the cartoon that she had a jetpack because they're still underwater. (laughs) But I mean, jet propulsion does not. If she (laughs) had like a (laughs) torpedo pack, I would be down for that because it would be propellers propelling her, and it would work just like a jetpack.
1: So what it is though is that she's tasked with inventing things down and testing them underwater is her whole job, and so it would be like, well, I can see why she would be trying to make a modified version of this for. Because okay. the, the chimps sent her underwater <laughs> To do this and they're giving her a grant Okay, god, god <laughs> just, I hate that I did this deep dive, like, Warren.
0: Like, the the jetpack bugged me for a while Because it's, one of those, it's the surreal thing of Spongebob It's like you can't focus on anything Because it's supposed to not make sense And supposed to be wacky But my brain was like, jetpack, no Because you're talking about combustion thrust propulsion mm-hmm. Underwater
2: mm-hmm. It's not
0: gonna work Especially the pressures of the depths of being down there, like it would just fizzle out as soon as it was lit. Yep. Okay. Okay.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> just let it go, Warren. It's a musical. Spabert leaves Sandy and <laughs> to her small people's stuff. No, sorry. Spabert leaves Sandy to her smart people's stuff and continues on to his minimum wage restaurant job. Here we are treated to the tiny green single celled antagonist under the sea, plankton, who is hatching a devious plan to sell his chum burgers using hypnosis. 'Cause good taste is apparently out of reach. I mean, if you have if you have the resources to build a wackadoodle machine that can brainwash people, you can't you can't hire a chef who can be like, here's how taste works. It,
1: it's kinda hard to sell the chopped up remains of your deceased relative <laughs> It's chum. I, just saying.
0: Man. So is is he just corpse robbing? Is he just I gra- he, is I he just grave my, robbing and yeah. selling bodies back to the people? I, I think he is. I do. Kay's face got really dark. You guys just just imagine <laughs> someone dealing with an unsettling realization. That's Kay right now, and she's yep. nodding nodding. Yep. <laughs> the entire cast concludes the greatest day ever intro song, which you said it was Bikini Bottom. Yeah, Bikini Bottom Day, because it's an ordinary Bikini Bottom Day to everyone else, but it's extraordinary to Spongebob. Yeah, yeah, but they keep saying it's going to be the best day ever, so I I named the song wrong.
1: Uh, no, they don't sing that. Only Mm. Spongebob thinks it'll be...
0: (sighs) Musically challenged. Okay. It's okay. The cast concludes their intro song, Before the Story Begins. Spawbert is at the best third-rate grease bucket in the entire ocean. Spabbert's Spaubert, boss tells him that for a sponge, he doesn't absorb much. Time freezes, as it can only do in a musical, and Spobert sings about how he wants people to notice his potential, and how he can do so much more. The ground rumbles again and moves the plot forward further. As it turns out, the shaking ground usually means bad things, and under the sea stirs a slumbering, fiery giant of mass destruction. Mount Humongous is smoking and growling. It hungers for some well done seafood, and Bikini Bottom is an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. <laughs> so in my notes the volcano sentient, so oh, there we go. <laughs> <have. laughs> Bikini Bottom News has a special report from the mayor who states that they are forming an investigative team to evaluate and research possible committee options for formulating a strategy <laughs> to inquire on possible solutions to prevent everyone from perishing in a fiery explosion of death. <laughs> the town is under a code orange, and all citizens should report back to their homes. Spaubert is chipper and thinks that everything will be just fine. The government said so, but Sandy is from Texas and doesn't trust the government. <laughs> She ran calculations measuring gravimetric pressure, and she theorizes that Mount sea Doom will erupt and kill everyone at sundown tomorrow. So what's fun is the song that
1: they sing during that is No Control, which is a modified version of No Control from David Bowie's Outside album, but David Bowie
0: rearranged everything for uh-huh. Spongebob. So you're saying he just rehashed a previous song. He rehashed way the to phone it in. <laughs> way to phone it in, David. I
1: mean, Beau, he was on his way out. He died in 2016.
0: Way to bring everyone down, Kay. <laughs> the end is nigh, and everyone is gonna die. Spobert goes to visit Patrick, who is upset that he's stuck inside and, the, and he only has the emergency you're-so-fucked message playing on every television channel. <laughs> Spobert tells Patty that he doesn't need TV because they're besties, and they have their imagination.
3: <laughs> Noise from Munchkin Ow! Lam-
0: <laughs> so, stupidly positive and positively stupid have their best friend's song where they just run around finding lost cheese and turning a couch into a hot tub. No joke. Also, jumping on a really big bubble, is there anything that the power of friendship can't do? Is it fireproof? Because it seems like that's what they're going to need in a moment. (laughs) I guess we'll find out, because an air raid siren pierces through the friendship as Mayor tells everyone the bureaucracy will save them all. Once an investigation is launched into determining the relevant course of action for doing something later, Sandy has a plan, though, and rattles off some quick science jargon, instilling hope in the townsfolk. Meanwhile, Plankton is up to some shit and is determining the best way to hypnotize everyone en masse. But first, Plankton tries to turn everyone against Sandy because science is bullcrap and can't solve problems. Plus, Sandy is a surface dweller and has no real stake in the underwater lives of these fine sea folk. Plankton decides that since this is a musical, he needs to convince everyone through the magic of song, but not just any song, a rap battle. Plankton spit some sick beats on, uh, up, up in Sandy's Grill, saying that instead of trying to stop the volcano, they need to flee and start over somewhere new.
3: That's a seagull under the sea. Yeah.
0: I will joke with people and tell, Kay, tell them that Kay is laughing like a seagull.
3: Yes. Gotta ben. represent the state bird. <laughs>
0: Okay. Uh,
3: That's a line in the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I laugh, like an idiot. Uh, after Plankton spits some sick beats up in Gr- Sandy's Grill, saying that instead of trying to stop the volcano, they need to flee and start over somewhere new. Luckily, Plankton has a vehicle to trap them all. I mean, fit them all in. They can start a new life in a new city, Chumsville. Mr. Crab has an itch that Plankton is up to something, but Plankton's sick underwater fire beats are too powerful, and sick his siren... underwater fire beats. And his... Is that, is that, I'm trying to connect with the younger de- generation of today. Like, <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's how the cool kids talk, right? And his siren song, his siren rap enthralls the, major- the mayor into going along with his evacuation plan. Only one issue. It will cost Neptune's trident, which costs more, more clams than the town can afford. They decide to host a charity concert to raise enough money to afford to flee, because I guess that makes sense. No, not really, but it's fine. Continue the plot. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy is sad because the town's xenophobia has alienated her from the community. Spaubert tries, tries to fight the will of the people, but Mr. Krabs tells him he's just a simple sponge and can't achieve what he wants. SpongeBob has a self-empowerment song, because after all, he's not just the sponge next door. He's not just some simple sponge. He's a contender for finding a better way to save Bikini Bottom, and this life that he's accustomed to.
1: So, I want to butt in real quick. The way that they did this scene was so cool. The, so, everything was dark, save for light on Spongebob and I would assume a black light because they had glow-in-the-dark sponges that they were using to create different shapes, kind of like mum Yeah, they
0: Yeah, so like the, the sponges were green and they were glowing in the dark really brightly and they yeah. were like making shapes with it or spelling out stuff with it. And then they would do like, they when they would move them around kind of almost look like a school of fish or something. Yes. Like they just had a lot of really cool optical effects with that, excuse me, with that segment.
1: Yeah, it was way awesome
0: the inner doubt of Mr. Krabs echoes in Spaubert's mind saying to him uh, "Sorry." the inner doubt of Mr. Krabs echoes in the naysaying to Spobert, who shakes off the psychic attack and decides that with Patty's strength and Sandy's brains they'll find a way to save the day you go Spobert. you may be a sponge but you're the super tough kind of sponge the kind that gets burnt cheese off of a skillet I believe in you (laughs) Because you're the main character of the show, and I'm contractually obligated to support
2: you.
1: (laughs) You know, they, I think it was this one that they started doing the Cats trailer at every commercial (laughs) break as if it was like, a specific attack on me. Yeah. Oh,
0: it was crazy. Like, they, I swear they did have the... I wouldn't say every commercial break. By the way, this show had a goddamn ton of commercial breaks. Yeah, they
1: needed to take a cue from Steven Universe who went, 90 minute musical, 90 minutes that yeah, you're gonna watch.
0: Yeah. It, does, it does mess with a musical when you do commercial breaks, mm-hmm. I will say. So it definitely
1: does. But... If,
0: if you're an executive listening, and I know you are, uh, <laughs> when you do a TV musical, do it commercial free. Just 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 do it. Yep, just do it. Please God, because we say so. <laughs> we are the people and we demand it. Spabert goes back to to Mr. Krabs and tells him to shove his per- his pessimism up his uh, crab hole. Krabs don't care. <laughs> Krabs doesn't care cuz he's packing up and preparing to flee. Enter the crab daughter, Pearl the Whale, who is upset. Not about the impending doom of Bikini Bottom, but that her Krabby Daddy doesn't want her going to a rock concert to see the electric skates. Krabby Daddy calls them a bunch of stingray degenerates. Krabby Daddy tells daughter Whale that he knows best, and the most important thing in life is money. It's funny,
3: because skates are related to stingrays and sharks, they're like in between.
0: That's the see, joke. See, and I didn't skates. know that until you had pointed <laughs> yeah, it out. Because yeah. Because I'm just taking it face value like, oh, they're rockers who are roller skating around.
1: It's because skates are a kind of fish.
0: Cause... Marine biology pun. Yep. Yeah, yes. it's, it's so full of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see. So Krabby Daddy tells uh, Pearl Daughter that the most important thing in life is money. But Pearl is young and wants to go hang out with her friends and see those d from upstream. <laughs> it's a bit of a Letter Kenny joke for those of you who know that show. <laughs> Krabby Daddy crushes her hopes one last time before revealing his genius marketing campaign. One last Krabby Patty before the end. Capitalism succeeds and the suckers of Bikini... I mean, of, of Bikini Bottom flood the restaurant and their last meal before Hellfire takes them all. Plankton gets a single-cell boner for his computer wife, but is interrupted as a fiery boulder descends from Mount Humongous, has a preview of the destruction to come. So, in that, I want to clarify on that because if you were paying attention to that scene, he starts giving, like, the really heavy, breathy talk to his computer wife. He's like, Yeah. Oh. It's been so long since I've felt this way about you. And then that's when the boulder... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was uh, He was about to get a little raunchy with a computer.
1: I try really hard not to think about that relationship. <laughs> because... But that's what I'm
0: here for, to make you think about the things you really don't want to. Uh,
1: <laughs> it's, it's like with uh, Pearl's line when she's talking about uh, we're, I know that we're not the same species, Dad, which is really weird when you stop to think about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's a lot of that, Pearl. <laughs> Seriously. On a side note, in the town meeting on how to best not die from a volcano, Paddy's idea was to close their eyes and pretend that it's not happening. Apparently, he has a cult now who thinks that he's wise. I know, right? <laughs> this just in, Armageddon's special report, they're all still fucked. <laughs> Meanwhile... The town has become an angry mob because Sandy has lungs and uses science. <laughs> this is a gill town where ignorance is power. Blame the squirrel! Blame the squirrel! <laughs> Blame the squirrel! The angry mob marches off screen, and Sandy comes out of the dark to see the hateful message written on the wall. And it's, what was it, says, like, squirrel get out um, or something like that?
1: Land, dweller, go home. Yeah. The
0: land, dweller, go home. <laughs>
1: Which, that was one of those... Oh, they have they're... not done punches like that since Squirrel Jokes, so...
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah. They, they do have some political commentary where they're like, hey, discrimination isn't cool. Yeah, and they yeah. definitely do a good job with it, huh? Especially in this one, since the, the actress playing uh, Sandy was black, and then they have mm-hmm. the, you're not welcome here, it's like, ooh. Yeah, I was watching that going, oof, yeah. that, uh, that, that stings. For sure. <sighs> The angry mob marches... Oh, see, oh sorry. <laughs> Sandy is the message on the wall. Sandy decides to leave, but is grabbed by Spobert, who is like, You're smart. Patty's strong. And I'm positive. We're a team. Sandy is sad and like, But I don't belong. I didn't belong in Texas either. Because I was a girl squirrel who likes science and martial arts. I guess it's time for me to gather my nuts and find somewhere new. She makes that line, so... Spa says,
1: "Gather my acorns, not gather my nuts."
0: <laughs> and there's Kay here, yeah.
2: to golden
0: rain on my parade. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Spabert is like, <laughs> no, Sandy, what does that mean? <laughs> you're tough and smart yeah, Lord, and awesome. Ask Lord, Donald what does Trump.
2: That. Yeah.
0: Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Bobbert is like, no, Sandy, you're tough and smart and awesome. We need you to save the town. Heed the call, Sandy. All for one and one for all. Sandy gets the idea to uh, relieve the pressure by of the volcano by dropping a bubble bomb into it. At the exact moment it erupts. Okay. I think a, I think aside with the town. Let's see. Wait. Oh, sorry. Okay, I think I side with the town now, as this is some shitty science. But they're all super bomb-ho with the plan. The Suicide Squad, now empowered with Sandy's not-so-sciencey plan, head off into a commercial. So, I will make a point about that later, because they do mention in the musical, we're gonna drop the bomb in there at the exact moment that the volcano erupts. Yeah. Spoiler, they kind of abandoned
1: that plot thread later on. <laughs> Thank yeah, God, because that would have been one of those, how... But, also, you wouldn't have gotten that great moment at the end, so...
0: We'll talk about that. Yeah. We come back from an age-specific marketing blitz to squid <laughs> to Squidward, the not-such-a-squid, as he's inserting his ego into the charity concert he was placed in charge of. Octoword's ego trip is cut short <laughs> by Spobert and the gang showing up to tell him about their plan octard tells them that no one has survived climbing to the top of mount humongous and laughs at Spabert's fear sandy tells the gang not to worry they'll make it to the top and save the town cue the crazy patty cult who now have a song about how patty will save them from the volcano by pretending that nothing is happening patty <laughs> in charge of a cult explains a lot about politics in 2019 oh. horrible implications aside Patty is just happy that people are liking him and being his friends. A dormant volcano, that one. Wait. Yes. I think I screwed up my own note there. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Patty puts on his makeshift uh, pink pope hat. Cause that's like, and, Yeah, made it, out of a milk jug. Made out yeah. of like, this cut-off milk jug, but the way it fit on his head, it looked like a tiny pink Pope hat. It was really odd. And fully embraces his new charge of leading the Congregation of Imagination. They should test their theory first by lighting one of their cult members on fire, closing their <laughs> eyes, and pretending that they are not on fire. It's good to test these types of things before relying on them for cataclysm prevention. That's just, just the way I thought. If I could think that you could close your eyes and be like, "This isn't happening," you would want to test that first before you, um, yeah, you before would. you you tried to repel lava with positive vibes. Yeah, Spabert is the first heretic of the Church of Close Your Eyes and Pretend Nothing Is Wrong. Patty tells Spabert to take a hike up a volcano and exits the stage with his congregation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Night falls upon the land, and news anchor Manfish is like. People are starting to doubt the government's ability to keep people safe. The mayor is like, Fake news, everything is under control! And right on cue, more flaming boulders hurl down Mount Humongous and scatter the crowd. The scene is now sad, as people are beginning to feel hopeless. Now is the time for a positivity song, to revitalize the cast, and... Krabs is still selling burgers, fuck that crisis capitalizer. Anyway... (laughs) Anyway, tomorrow's almost here, and they only have tomorrow, but tomorrow's almost here, and all they have y- is, you guessed it, tomorrow, but tomorrow's almost here, and all they have is tomorrow. <laughs> Don't really care for that song. Will the town survive? You'll find out after these commercial messages. <laughs> Back from some more age-specific marketing, an old woman is hanging at- is handing out programs for the show. Turns out, inside this old woman lives a pirate, Patchy the Pirate, who you may know famously from the intro of the cartoon. A little addendum, in the beginning of the show, before the actual show started, we saw Patchy journeying to the premiere of the show, but when he arrived, there was a sign saying no pirates, which I think is a good policy to have since they're the rape and pillage type (laughs) who don't really mesh well with polite theater-going society. (laughs) Hey, now some pirates enjoy theater. I mean, pirates of Penzance, who were all about abducting women. True. So I, my but they my also point had, stands.
3: They also
1: had
0: an honor code that obviously didn't include not taking not, women. Oh
1: no, they still kidnap women, but they they were sworn to honor. They were sworn to duty. Like with their uh-huh, uh... they
0: were slaves to duty. God damn it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm bringing this up about Patchy because Patchy snuck into the show. Turns out when he was turned away at the door, he was depressed and wandered the streets until he found a pirate dive bar full of other pirates shunned by society. They are pissed because pirates are people too and they want to see the musical. The scurvy dogs infiltrate the theater and sing about this point of self-reflection, how pirates are people too, until a sassy black security lady scares them off. You know, she you know she's serious too cuz she took off her earrings. Mm-hmm. You best be stepping, Patty. <laughs> Patty, she's about to break her foot off in your poop deck. <laughs> After the pirates are chased off stage, we join Spabert walking up w- waking up at home on the day of Mount Humungus's eruption. Spawbert thinks that everything from the day before was just a bad dream, but Gary the Snail reminds him that it all actually happened. Spaubert screams until he's an old man, yet somehow he grows a beard, but the volcano didn't erupt. Let it go, Warren. Just let it go. Move on. (laughs) Anyway, as Spaubert heads out, he runs afoul of some degens with weapons who tell him he's trespassing. Spobert is like, but you know me. They don't care because society is breaking down, and in the wasteland, the only law is the law you make. (laughs) Sandy steps in to save Spobert and shows him her volcano-stopping bomb. So cleverly named the Eruptor Interruptor.
2: <laughs>
0: but don't let those silly plot points frazzle your brain, cause it's time to rock, like there's no tomorrow. It's the electric skates, and they're doing a fin to the rim bitching sound check. <laughs> He's trying to figure out how to do balls to the wall. but <laughs> fish don't have balls. And they're underwater. There's a significant lack of walls. <laughs> Her fins to the rim seem to fit. <laughs> The rockers notice Pearl, who they think has a rockin' voice, and they invite her to be a backup singer. Pearl nearly dies of excitement and disbelief, and the group rocks out with their fins out. Whatever fish, don't have, whatever, fish don't have dicks, no joke there. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> Octoward tells the band that their demands are too expensive and that they can't provide everything for the concert. The Electric Skates make a deal with him. If he can get all the stuff that they want for their show, they'll let Octo Octoward open for them. Octoward sees this as his big chance before the end of the world and agrees. Now you're seeing
1: why they went with Squidward, huh?
0: I <laughs> <You> mean, Octoward? <laughs> Octoward tentacle dick. <laughs> hey, octopuses have a tentacle dick. <laughs> that is that is perfectly legitimate <laughs> science. <laughs> It's not vulgar at all.
1: Why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I
0: broke him. So that's what it feels like. <laughs> we cut to Sandy and Spabert on their clandestine mission to save Bikini Bottom. But they have so much equipment and without their pack mule, Patty, they're struggling to carry it all. Sandy sings an inspirational song to Spabert, encouraging him to kick bad feelings away and chop his way to the top. Cause karate. Karate is sort of their thing. They, they always do when they're together. Mm-hmm. So for those listening who have never seen the show. Remember, listeners, when you're in doubt, chop and kick your way to the top. Kay, quick question. If you're in court for an assault charge, is the defense, a squirrel told me to chop and kick my way to the top? (laughs) Would that be an acceptable defense, or is this more of a question for our friend Alex at Palm & Pitch? This is a question for Alex at Palm & Pitch, so I I think- uh, I'll have to ask her. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a lawyer. The only thing I can think of is if you say that in court, you might be able to get off on an insanity plea but you'd have to really sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) But your honor, they were underwater trying to stop a volcano by throwing a bomb into it. Insane. (laughs) Get this man a big white jacket. (laughs) Anyways, Sandy and Spobert chop their way to the top of Mount Humongous and proceed to celebrate. We did it! We did it! Yay! But Sandy gives Spobert a reality check that they're only halfway to the top. <laughs> so, this was done really cool. Oh, it
3: was amazing. Cool.
0: So, I'll, let me finish my note and then we'll okay. talk about that. Uh, she gives them a reality check that they're only halfway to the top. Come on, guys, don't look so disappointed. Remember, you can just chop your way to the top. Now, get chopping. So, <laughs> yeah, so go if you want to talk about that. So,
1: the way that a lot of the set is set up, um, you have a lot of materials that stand in for other things like the kelp was pool noodles and stuff like that the volcano is a set of boxes and they're on luggage carts and uh, ladders and oh what's the other there's a type of ladder on wheels that it's too late for me to remember
0: what it's called
1: but now, um, what
0: was that motion you were making as you were talking about the ladder? God damn it. There's some long strokes to that ladder. How do you climb that ladder, Kay?
3: God damn it.
0: But I don't know what that wheelie ladder is called either.
1: But uh, they were using that and the boxes would shift and the ladders were shifting, the luggage carts were shifting so that it kind of looked like and at the same time, in the back, they had the lights looking like the boxes as well, going up the volcano. So they would come down as the as the set pieces were moving around, so it looked like they were actually going up this volcano of boxes. It
0: was a really cool visual trick. Um, one of the things I would say, too, is the way that they were doing the... Uh, luggage cart boxes it was almost like because they had stagehands you know that were in black so that you couldn't see them as well and they were on both sides of the uh the luggage carts and as sandy and spongebob were climbing and Mm. moving through these these big sets they were also spinning them around yeah and so it created this really interesting 3D effect because it was layered. You had them yeah. you had them actually climbing on the set as the set was moving around mm-hmm. and then you had the light show in the back that
1: made yeah. it look like
0: they were getting higher and higher on this box mountain.
1: The the superheroes of this show were the stagehands, the lighting crew and the set designers.
0: Holy crap. You know, I will also say the uh, sound effect guy. Sound effect guy, uh, sound effect guy was sound a hero. Was, was awesome, because since Spongebob in the show is always so squeaky, mm-hmm. like, when he would do stuff, the guy would be right on point mm-hmm. with making the, the squeaky noises, making the stretch noises, yeah. and, like, never missed a beat. Like, I'm sure they rehearsed that kind of thing to death. Yes. But they at one point they showed it. The camera was looking at him, and you saw him looking at the actors and just pushing buttons, you know, as he was needed. And oh, it was just... It was so cool. The the entire cast and supporting cast did such a good job of... Mm-hmm. The, the conductor. I've never the conductor seen the was funny. The conductor was great.
3: So involved. Yes.
1: The, that was,
0: that was they funny. They were
3: taking... The conductor was taking the props off. Yeah, and mm. conducting with the props. Yeah, and, and there'd be
0: there'd be times they'd like, they'd like drop something into the conductor's pit, and then they'd make noises like it was hitting the yep. the musicians My down leg. there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they just there was a lot of uh, fourth wall breaking uh, comedy that was yes. that was just really well done in the whole show. Yeah. So I definitely commend him for that because more than trying to be like, yes, we are in this world. It was more like the characters themselves were telling a story on stage. Mm-hmm. And so they did a really good job of, of pointing out the fact that, like, yeah, we are in this, doing a, a performance piece. Yeah, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. We now cut to the den of the Pink Idiot and his <laughs> merry band of Imagine Idiots.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Patty is like, let's go get my magic stretchy couch from under my rock. But the cult doesn't listen to their leader, because there's no time! Patty suggests that they go jellyfishing instead, but again, they say no. Why go jellyfishing when you have a cult of followers who don't listen to your ideas? <laughs> Patty then realizes that he misses Spobbert, and the two of them have a metaphysical duet. Spobbert, <laughs> while climbing the mountain, and Patty, while on his cult throne. The two sing about missing each other. Paddy concludes his song by realizing that maybe he can save his cult, but not in the way that they wanted, and Patty bounces off the stage to go... Join Sandy and, Sp- and Spawbert on the mountain, most likely. Spoiler, yes he does. <laughs> Octaward, the errand boy, comes back to the electric skates with their list of requirements except for the seahorse radish, because it's out of season. Little did Octward know, but one of the band members is a radish head and freaks out. He's going through withdrawals. He needs his fix, man. Come on, Squidward. I'll suck your tentacle. <laughs> I'll suck your
1: hectocotylus.
0: <laughs> God, I love you. I love you. The, rad, the rad-headed band member calls Octward a loser, which sends him into a hallucination of inner self-loathing reassurance. Octoward has a psychotic break from reality and dances with an imaginary chorus line who sings about how he's totally not a loser and he's totally not in denial and he's totally not calling true things false. The self-denial song and the dance extravaganza conclude with a fancy tap number. After all, would a loser have an entire imaginary chorus line to sing about how great he is? <laughs> Octuard crashes back into reality and the scene fades to black. And more targeted ads. I think I want a pink pony now. Curse you marketing people! <laughs> so that scene actually was probably one of my favorite scenes. Mine too. Um, one of the things that they do with uh, Squidward's costume in this is he has four legs. Like they have these puppet legs hooked up to his back side and they're hooked to his feet so they move when he moves his legs and initially it's just kind of a cool gimmick to see when he's running around on stage Mm -hmm. but when he has his actual dance numbers Mm -hmm. he does some pretty cool shit with those puppet legs yes yes like it was it was impressive and i don't know if they put tap shoes they on did. those things they okay put
1: taps on those
0: because i wasn't sure if it was just a sound effect thing or if he was actually tapping plus tapping with his back legs
1: watching it looks
0: like he was tapping with all four legs that was crazy to watch cuz oh it was so cool oh man that was just hilarious though but that was one of the the times when i noticed that his whole chorus line of like pink feathery outfit wearing people like it was men, it was women, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the costumes were very much more feminine. Yeah. But I just I thought it was great that they had guys in there too. Yeah, it was ah, this show, man. It was it was entertain like it was so surreal. It was, it was just it oh, was one it was of those so sh- great. It's one of those shows that you just you really have to just kind of accept what is presented <laughs> and yes. just go along for the yes. ride. For a licensed musical it's not that bad. No, it's, it, is, it was surprisingly good. Like I said, I'm annoyed with how much mm-hmm. I enjoyed it and how well I thought it was done.
1: Yeah, our, our first licensed musical was the Spider-Man one. Oh, fuck that thing. And I think
0: that that kind of made us a little leery of licensed musicals. But Death Note was good. Death Note was good. So, that was surprisingly good. It was also Japanese, and I think they took it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. But uh, back to the show and an important news break. With one hour left on the Doomsday Clock... We see the town beginning their trek to the charity concert while they, while they wait for Plankton's escape pod. The townsfolk require, inquire where the band is, but are informed by Octaward that the band has left due to creative differences. Pearl is heartbroken that the band left without her since she was the new backup singer. Crabby Daddy yells at Pearl for planning to leave and tells her that she's grounded if they survive today. <laughs> if they survive their impending certain death. The ground rumbles, and another volcanic boulder tumbles through the town, flattening an innocent town's fish. The citizens become an angry mob.
3: And that was done so well. (laughs) Just this
0: flat cardboard cut (laughs) out.
2: (laughs) Oh man Jenkins!
0: (laughs) Okay, the citizens become an angry mob and devolve into blaming each other. It's the government's fault. It's the media's fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. Meanwhile... Sandy and Spobert are on Mount Humongous, facing certain death. But who saves the day? Who? WHO I ask? It's Patty with Sandy's jetpack. Again, jetpack. Underwater. <laughs> uncertain. <laughs> uncertain to how this is applicable, but never mind. Patty and Spobert make up and do a friend dance. The trio are now ready to face certain death together. Spabbert states, or sorry." Spabbert starts to quake in his square pants at the sight of the volcano's molten maw. Spawbert gets a pep talk from Patty and Sandy, who tell him, "That's what you bring to the team: management, your management potential." <laughs> Spabbert, instead of delegating the actual explosive throwing work to someone capable and self-sufficient like Sandy, takes the eruptor interrupter himself and scales the last part of the volcano. But has a hang up on if he should throw the bomb on the count of three or after the count of three <laughs> after it's decided that he should throw it after three Spobert throws the bomb into the volcano but it didn't erupt didn't they say they had to throw the bomb in right as the volcano erupted now they're saying they have to wait till sundown when the volcano erupts to see if the bomb works mm. Kay is just shrugging because we, you just have to accept it.
1: <laughs> the reason why Spongebob had to do that was because he's the only one who could fit through all of those ladders and stuff in order to get through. That's what they say. Is that what
0: they said? Okay. Because yes. I was just thinking to myself, Sandy's a fucking squirrel. She can't, you mean to tell me she can't ninja that... her way up that thing? She's got her uh, helmet, so yeah. she can't Which go Which was her them. afro. You know, yes. they did a really good that job with so that. Cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> that was so cool! She had a big puffy afro, and that was her helmet. Like yes. That, that was such a good touch. Oh, yes. Okay. I love Sandy. And I ruined my own note when I was complaining about the bomb not interrupting <laughs> they throw in. Okay, it's a Spongebob musical, Warren. Don't burn out any of your remaining brain cells trying to decipher <laughs> this magnum opus. Anyways... On top of Mount Humongous, they see the scene below: Bikini Bottom destroying itself from within through fear and mistrust.
3: <laughs> was that the conductor? That was the conductor.
1: Yes. Oh my God! The... Yes.
0: Yes. So as they're doing that, like like Mama Kay had said, they zoom in on the conductor, and he's got like this. She. 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 Sorry. They zoom in on the. I couldn't <laughs> tell honestly because I wasn't. Yeah, he doesn't see gender. I do see race though. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> The conductor had this mat that was like a bad recreation of Bikini Bottom with all the buildings and had like little puppets that were the different characters and they're just fighting and crashing into each other, so that was pretty funny. Uh, but I'm sorry. No, you're you're good. Patty and Sandy, uh, Patty, Sandy, and Spabert used the jetpack's parachute to glide down to the mountain. Fucking how? <laughs> And into the heart of the mob, in order to give a heartfelt speech about not fighting each other and being a community and friends. Bad is bad, and good is good, and let's be good and not bad, because being bad makes people sad and mad, which is not good. Cue a song! Spabert uses his managerial skills to de-escalate the mob, making them calm the fuck down and prepare for their fiery end after all the end of the world is going to be the best day ever that's the song best day ever is that how it works Kay? armageddon equals the best day ever (laughs) so what i like about the use of the song there
1: um that is one of two songs from the show that are actually in spongebob the tv show oh and best day ever was one of their first specials i want to say where Spongebob plans today's going to be the best day ever and he's excited to go out and jellyfish with his friends and do this with uh, watch Squidward do a clarinet solo and help Sandy out but everything's just going wrong and his best day ever is basically ruined especially when he gets to Squidward's clarinet recital and he can't get in and then they end it by basically thanking SpongeBob for helping them have the best day ever, which gave him a best day ever. So that's the setup for what the song is originally. And in this, they place it in the Toy Story 3 moment of, we're all going to die, but hey, we're all together, and it's the best day ever, because we're all together. That's
3: when they all hold hands.
1: Yes, and have their Toy Story 3 into the incinerator moment.
0: And this informational interlude was brought to you by Kay. And my goddamn deep dive. (laughs) This is what I do for you people. (laughs) You better appreciate it. I know I do. Anyways, one minute till certain death, and the townsfolk take each other's hands in a genuine moment of, Oh God, it's going to erupt! And bubbles! Bubbles for everyone! Bubbles descend onto the town, and everyone is rejoicing about not being dead. The mayor apologizes for her many abuses of power and bad ideas. Plankton mocks the mayor and accidentally reveals his escape pod plan was actually an evil plan. Mr. Krabs' suspicion itch was right, and he dolphin curses at Plankton, who dolphin curses back, and the two go at it. The mayor steps in and stops them, saying they need to work together to rebuild the town, since they destroyed it, freaking out about their imminent doom. Mr. Krabs apologizes to Spobert, saying that he was wrong, and that Spabert is indeed manager experience, but not, re- not uh, manager material, but not Ray's material. Nope. Cause oh. Mr. Krabs. <laughs> the town decides that they should celebrate by throwing the concert themselves. The town patches up with Sandy, saying they're sorry, and that they want her to stay. Sandy tells them to get her a guitar so she can rock this fishbowl. Spobert celebrates not dying by busting out a ukulele and doing a reprise of the opening song, with some subtle recapping of events that happened. Stuff like, not dying in a fiery explosion, cause that is definitely a requirement for having a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Bikini Bottom is saved, Spaubert earned the appreciation of his boss, and Sandy earned the appreciation of the town because she fucking saved it, so... And Plankton's evil plan was foiled and revealed. All in all, it's been a pretty good day in Bikini Bottom. The end.
1: What I love with that last bit is when Sandy's like, I'm still gonna leave because I don't feel welcome here, and they... The community comes together and it's and going like, No, you are welcome. Everyone's welcome well, in Bikini Bottom. Because she
0: and they initially, because they apologize, and then mm-hmm. she's like, I still am going to go because I don't feel like I can trust you guys yeah. anymore. And that's when the one old man who initially was like, You're not welcome here came in. And I love that he he comes in and he's like, He's road warrior. He's got like a bandana <laughs> tied around his head, hanging it was his off to tie. the tie. His tie, yeah. <laughs> And just talk about talk about how they're ashamed, and Bikini Bottom welcomes everyone mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, you guys should be grateful. She saved your own, your your scaly asses. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah it it was that was one of those moments that really spoke to me there because I was like, ooh, I've been there. Yeah, Sandy, same. And, yeah. Oh, it was. I loved that ending. And then of course, Patchy the Pirate is able to drop from the ceiling and. I think I missed that part. Yeah, he uh, joins the rest of the Bikini Bottomites to close out the number.
0: Bottomites sounds like a real... That's
1: what they're called on the SpongeBob wiki. Is it really? Yes. (laughs) Bikini Bottomites.
0: (laughs) I just... It sounds too close to like... Never mind. I <laughs> I I don't. I think I would call them Bottom Dwellers, but that's just me. Biki- well, Bikini Bottom Dwellers probably makes more sense, but I'm just
1: saying what I saw
0: on the
2: wiki. No, that's fair.
0: That's fair. And to be fair, Bikini Bottomites is not any weirder than anything else in the show. Yeah. And is yeah. definitely less weirder than most of what's in the show. Yes,
1: this is true. So, yeah, I just...
3: I really, I liked this. It I, was pretty, I liked it a lot. It was
0: pretty yeah. dang good. Like, I really was. Like, I know that I had very low expectations, even though I knew that it would probably be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that Nickelodeon kind of screwed it up, in my opinion, a little bit by mm-hmm. having a commercial break every 10 freaking minutes. Yeah,
1: that was not necessary.
0: Like, if you're going to do commercial breaks, like, I would say wait till, like, the intermission period mm-hmm. and then do some breaks. But yeah, no. But they had to play the same Terrible Cats commercial over and over again.
1: I think Andrew Lloyd Webber put them up to this because I think he knew that we would be watching this today and he knows about our feud. And so he was like, hey, play this <laughs> and play the Taylor Swift one. <laughs> The
0: whole time. He's just... Andrew Lloyd Webber is sitting in a dark room somewhere with a fire in the corner, holding a glass of brandy, staring it to into it, going, yes, yes. Suffer, Kay and Warren, suffer. Somewhere in Andrew Lloyd Webber's attic, there's two paintings of us that are getting happier. <laughs>
3: Jesus. <laughs> so did you have any other thoughts, mom? On... I just said it is a musical that I would like to see live.
0: See yeah, that. I would actually see it live too. Like yeah, it had a fair amount of um, I don't want to say audience participation, but it definitely felt more audience inclusive. I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm not phrasing it right, but yeah, it was mm-hmm. it was definitely a good. One.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I wish that it was coming here, because the closest it's going to be, I want to say, maybe Vegas? it'll be in Denver, but I think it's Vegas, yeah.
0: Well, Vegas is closer than Denver anyway for
1: us, isn't it? Is it is, yeah.
3: except that we've got that great suite that we can take the bird and the dog Yeah. in Denver. Yeah,
0: Touché. have Sophie and Latte go on yeah. a trip, whereas... Which, speaking of which, I am very surprised that our listeners didn't get to hear... Any uh, input from Sophie? I know. I know. Well, she...
3: Sophie goes to bed at five thirty. 30
0: when true. we were when we yeah. were recording the intro earlier. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now she wanted to hear. She was like, "I, I need to know about yeah. this show because," Pierre Delaney had said
0: some stuff before he went. <laughs> yeah. That uh... she's like, "SpongeBob the Musical, do go on." Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Tell me more I about think... this pineapple. This this sponge who lives in a pineapple under in the fact, sea. In fact, she
3: got quite noisy when we started to watch it yeah but the recording had stopped when the recording had stopped yeah. we were getting ready yeah, then she was, was like a... yeah
2: let's do this <laughs> shit
3: yeah i i think that
1: i think that she had heard good things about spongebob from Kier, and was like well what did that old man really <laughs> i do think he would have liked the musical Hear the bird,
0: or he would have hated it because he'd be like, "You're not
1: SpongeBob, you're a liar." <laughs> That's true. He, you
2: live in a pineapple a full of SpongeBob.
1: lies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he would he probably would have reacted like Buddy the Elf. So you're yeah. just a
3: shitty human. <laughs> <laughs> you're a person in a sponge suit. I Wasn't even wild. that. Never. I I I feel sorry for anyone who tries to. Take the role of SpongeBob. Yeah, right. this this that was guy, made for this. That guy did yeah, such
1: Ethan a good Slater, job. Slater, man, he was great.
3: Is would I have seen him
0: in anything that we no. touched? Okay.
1: not not yet.
0: Yeah, he he very skilled. Like I was I was especially impressed with. Let's see, he was remarkable. Squidward did a really really good job too. That mm-hmm. actor, as well as Sandy, um, Patrick's actor was really good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, definitely those, those four, because they had the biggest parts throughout
2: the entire yeah. entirety
0: of the show. But I would say that the casting in general was really good. Mm-hmm. Mr. Krabs' his character did a really good job, <laughs> yeah. too. And right. I, I like it's... that, you know, uh, to make his crab hands, he just had big-ass boxing gloves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and those were his crab hands.
1: That was so awesome.
0: I like that, like, he, ha- he had, like, a, a beard and goatee and stuff, and they dyed that red as well as his hair. Mm-hmm but they left his mustache. Which yes. had flawless, an and there choice. were
3: so many gingers in this. Dyed gingers. Yeah. Dyed gingers. That's yeah. the best <laughs> way of putting
0: it.
1: <laughs> I uh, love I love Pearl too. Just
0: she was great. Just the loud bombastic. Dad! She could sing too. She yes. was
2: so good. She had
0: she had friggin' cannon of a vocal range. Oh my she was gosh.
1: A Something that makes sense. That, that makes a lot yes. of sense,
2: actually. <laughs> this probably looks
0: if really you loud. see. I even what turned. The
1: recording looks like. <laughs> I even
0: turned my head.
2: <laughs> Will you have to edit it? <laughs> <laughs> Is it
1: too loud, dude? <laughs> Latte thinks that you're dying. Yeah, Latte's <laughs> like, cut the shit, Dad, or I'll kill you
2: myself. <laughs> oh man! Oh, but
0: yeah, overall, I was super duper uh, impressed mm-hmm. with how much I didn't hate the show. <laughs> I would actually probably get
1: this one on DVD to watch it without
0: commercial breaks yeah, if yeah, they released that. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will, you know, because they
3: probably. I'm sure they'll be. That would be be a smart thing to do. That
0: would be the smart thing to do.
1: What I like too, though, is that this is a great way to introduce theater to kids that are watching Nickelodeon. Yes. Because this might be the first live play that they've ever seen. Yeah. It's kind of like why I like when NBC does their NBC Live or Fox does the Fox Live because it's more accessibility for these shows that are on Broadway.
0: And they need to do this more often. It's the thing that you and I have been screaming about it for. We've been screaming into the void ever since episode one of "Put more of this Mm -hmm. on the internet so that we can watch it because we can't get to New York to buy tickets, you fuckers." (laughs) Yeah,
1: because a lot of these shows you'll never see them because they either won't go on tour or they won't get licensed to Musical Theater International or Tam's Whitmark or any of those for. Regional shows, like Spider-Man, we had to watch a bootleg, because that one's non-existent, and no one puts it on. And
0: understandably why. Understandably
1: why, yeah. I mean, Uh, all the broken ankles and shattered dreams, so... mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And, like, Flower Drum Song, the 2002 revival, we had to watch a uh, copy of a theater in San Jose, because no one filmed the revival of it even though it was better than was really good yeah and so they
0: need to do more of this i mean they really do because it just even the bad musicals (laughs) they need to do this i mean there's a ton of bad movies out there and they still put them you know out on accessibility for people it's like do the same with musicals because even if it's on you know the services that most people have that are paying monthly things like it's it's helping to spread it. It's helping to make people, you know, more interested in theater and in the arts. Like, yeah. look fucking look at me. I'm the uncultured swine and I'm like, "Give it to me. I want to watch it." <laughs> yeah. So,
1: <laughs> I mean, you're you're not originally a musical guy. No, not
0: at all. Like not at all. But when you
1: have accessibility, it's like, "Well, I do want to see it."
0: Yeah. Ab- absolutely. <sighs> Okay, we should probably wrap this up. We probably should. Well,
3: thank you for inviting yeah. me to this one. Oh, thank you, of you for course. joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having
1: us up here and having your grand dog up here. <laughs> so, <laughs> next week, we are going to watch a Hanukkah musical <laughs> because, and we were going to do it for Hanukkah, but again, Cats is coming out, and we are contractually obligated. We started the year with cats. We have to end it with cats.
0: Beautiful symmetry.
1: Yes. I I am a symmetry person. (laughs) So we will be watching The Meshuggah Nutcracker. (laughs) I'm so excited. I love that title. It's on Amazon Prime. (laughs) I love that title. It's available with my Broadway HD. I'm so excited.
0: Meshuggah Nutcracker. I just... (laughs) I'm not um... a fan
1: of The Nutcracker, but... Me either. This is going well, to be
0: interesting, because... Then, for me, like, with... Well, we'll talk about it in the next episode. The Nutcracker, I, I probably have seen too much as a kid growing up, which is why I don't like it. I still have nightmares about the Rat King, so... Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think Nutcracker is a little done to death, so anything that puts a, a decent spin on it, I think, is welcome. And I I think that this will be
1: more about Hanukkah yeah. than it will be the Nutcracker. But still, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm cool. excited. I'm excited, too. Yeah. So... Uh, thank you guys for listening to us and for our first guest episode. We want to thank Mama Ta-da! Kay for yeah, joining us you, today. Thank you, Mama Kay. Thank you, Sophie, for not being angry <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> um, we just, we, we love and appreciate you guys. You guys are so awesome. If you want to get in contact with us, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook, or
0: Instagram. All three of those are Tone Deaf Musical. If you want to go to our website, tonedeafmusical.com, we have links to all of our social media links, as well as uh, the Cast Junkie Discord server that we have a channel on. So come over, stop by, say hi, and uh, we can talk about stuff.
1: You can also find links to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical, as well as uh, our merch store, which has the Poppin' Pussies and Pies t-shirt.
0: Kay is sporting one right now. (laughs) Yep. Looks good on her, and it would look good on you, too.
1: This is is the only time of the week that I can wear it, because this would not be workplace appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Not in Utah. (laughs) Maybe I don't know outside. I don't know you, if you
0: wear your hoodie and you have it mostly zipped up and people yeah you know, uh, people just, just see just the, the pie. people just yeah. see the Barker and love It bakery. they wouldn't see pop pussies and pies at the bottom. Yes,
1: that's true. so there there there's some fashion advice for how to wear it.
0: I am a bit of a fashionista. He is he is. <laughs> As you can tell by my jeans and black t-shirt
1: <laughs> it's comfortable and that's a type of fashion. <laughs> so that'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren.
3: I'm Mama Kay,
1: And this has been Tone Deaf.